Have you ever thought what they have in common? Catherine from Wuthering Heights, the Oakley Duckling, um, Victor Frankenstein and his monster, and the Winchester brothers, Simon Dean, with the Gothic? What would you think if I told you that all of them have got some things in common and that thing comes down to identity? If you're curious about this, this video for you is today. I'm going to tell you how you can find identity in the Gothic and I'm going to give you some examples and some explanations and I'm going to try to help you with your own identity journey. Are you ready? This week's is all about identity and the Gothic. friend this is Alice and you are in gothic land welcome to episode 5 of our video podcast you are gothic but you don't know it and since we are in this journey of finding more about ourselves and finding out where are these gothic elements that actually um, are describing me I want to talk to you about today what I want to talk to you about today is how we can find identity in the gothic through some examples in literature, but also in a TV series and even in, in uh, fairy tales like the Ookly Dooklin. So I'm going to give you some very specific examples for you to know about this and to learn more about these elements. But before we go into today's video, I want to remind you that you have available my coffee page already. I'm uploading new content, I'm doing the last streamings, uh, but now it's more active. So please donate to the project if you want to know more and you want to learn more about the Gothic and how it can actually benefit you. Remember that there are also some downloadables in gothicalice.com uh, where you can learn more about Gothic literature from the, its, its origins to uh, our times. Uh, to our modern times um, that is actually free is one hour session where I tell you all about the basis of the gothic for you to understand why now I'm talking about identity for example so you can do two things download a free PDF on uh, introduction to gothic literature and also donate to this program to this project so you can also benefit by being a member of more extra content and as I was saying today I want to tell you all about identity, what it is, and I'm going to give you some examples through three or four uh, literary TV uh, examples and folklore. When Catherine said to Nelly, Nelly, I'm Heathcliff, she was doing more than just saying I'm part of him, uh, you cannot separate me. She was criticizing society with this phrase. She was doing a lot of things. and. Part of that, it, it was her identity. She was putting across her identity. She was saying to Nelly, this is me and I've been divided. I've been separated. So society divides me, separates me from myself. So there's a split here that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, 
This reminds us of the androgynous myth, the Greek uh, androgynous myth, where men, uh, men and women were one, and as a punishment, Zeus uh, split them in two, and they, since then they've been cursed to roam the roam the world, find finding each other. So that's why we're always looking like we say the phrase uh, "looking for your other half," and it comes from from here, from this myth, uh, Greek myth. Um, and the truth is that part of that that probably would would need another um, another video entirely because it would mean that we need to talk about your other half. Why do we need? Uh, to find this other person that complements us, which will be more in the romantic space. By the way, today is her age, so Valentine's Day, when I'm recording this, so happy Valentine's Day. No, because you're not going to see it on the day, but happy Valentine's week. I hope you've had a lovely uh, week, but a Valentine's is every day. You know, you have to love your family, your friends and your spouses every day. Anyway, little break. Um, so when, as I said, this um, moment when Nelly was uh, sorry with Catherine was uh, stating this and uh, she was criticizing and she was voicing how she felt this is something that we can find in uh, one of the researches uh, from at the end of the year by Elena Cuetos uh, Cruz uh, that she calls well it, that is called metaphysical and earthy love in Bronte's Wooden Heights and she says there the love for Heathcliff is a metaphysical love that hasn't got anything to do with the outside rules, norms or social values. It's a superior love that transcends everything. So why then do we have to keep looking for identity? Why are, are we always like missing this part and always searching? Even, you know, we're always in search of identity, of who we are, of learning more. Why is it that we have this necessity? If we go into the basics and we start with the translations of what identity is, you find that, very, interest, very interestingly, that Collins Online tells us that uh, they give us multiple entries, which is mind-blowing. Uh, you go, you type identity and you just don't get identity like you will in Merriam-Webster website, that yes, you have a definition, well, you have two. But in Collins, in Collins Dictionary, you have new identity, old identity, own identity, self-identity, common identity, social identity. We have nowadays so many descriptions and definitions for identity that is amazing. And why is that? It's because all those make us who we are. And this multiplicity of voices, points of view, is what we constantly find when we read literature or we're watching a program, a TV program, or a series or a film that we like, we are constantly facing these identity issues. Is it uh, what makes me be me? Um, the way I see myself or the way others see me and therefore they describe me, which is something that the Gothic does very well. So if we look into Merriam-Webster's um, dictionary online, you'll find that it talks about the qualities, beliefs, etc., that make a particular person or group different from others. Okay, so now we have this binomial um, thing that we tend to have when we talk about the other in the Gothic, and you have seen this in many of my videos. We cannot escape talking about the other. Every time we have me, I have another. If I have inside, I have outside. If I have good, I have evil. We have this dichotomy and this binomial relationship that has to exist. Sometimes it, we cannot describe ourselves 
if we don't have a reference and this reference is the other so uh, you have to agree with me then that we have these external elements and internal el internal elements that define who we are and we could say that and then we're going to find some grace here as internal elements we have our likes tastes maybe genetically we are determined to have a, a certain um uh, inclinations for certain things so all those will go there but also over time we acquire habits and we acquire things that we like either doing or even food that we like eating and things that we like wearing because whatever is outside has made us that way as well so there's a point there where the outside has influenced who we are inside and those gray areas is where we're going to find the gothic is where we're going to find these evergreen conversations about what's good what's evil and that is exactly the place where following uh psychiatrist swiss psychiatrist carl jim's theory on the uh, shadow self we're going to find that we are in constant fight. What is how we see ourselves in comparison with how the others think that we should behave and we should, we should see ourselves? And he talks about this balance. So this is exactly what we find and what we actually discuss when we discuss in literature or we discuss in the characters in a series or in a film this is precisely what we talk about we talk about these gray areas we talk about well yeah but this is okay no this is not okay and then we might not even agree with our friends when we're trying to say well this is like this because of that but then think about what he or she did before that's not right and sometimes we forget because we bring into our interpretation of what we're talking about. We bring our own, own experiences and we bring our own ideas on identity and our relationship with others. And then is when we can actually have some kind of disagreements with the people we're talking to. So um, at this moment, we have that it's very important to see when we're analyzing something um, at what is the historical moment that this action or this story takes place and uh, what are the ideals, ideologies of the moment and the cultural aspects. This is something I always think about and these are actually the aspects that you have to question and you have to bring your critical thinking in because it's all about asking what is it, how is it, who is it, why, uh, how are we going to get there and all these questions of the critical thinking um, are going to help us uh, have a more rounded opinion about this identity or the identity of a character and by doing that we're going to see ourselves in that because there's going to be a moment of empathy with the characters that we're analyzing and we're going to be able to either um, separate ourselves more or less depending on how close we feel that that character in that story um, relates to us and it's like we are as well so um, they in this book um, this book that I acquired recently uh, it's in Spanish but I'm gonna translate it for you a little bit it's called Encuentro con la sombra is meeting the shadow which is actually the power I mean I bought it in Spanish because I use this uh, topic also in the Spanish video you always think that I do these videos in, in English and in Spanish and it's about the the power of the dark side of human nature and 
I'm sure for the English speakers you can find these in English. I've not looked it up, but I'm sure you can. So I will put all the descriptions of the book at the bottom of the video and just open that link and then you'll see uh, the name. And I'll try to find it in English as well, which is going to be because it's, it's, this is a translation. Um, in this book, in the second part, it says that the in, in this uh, meeting with the shadow, that the this is very important. I think this is crucial for what we're talking about today. That the process of creation of the shadow is unavoidable and universal. It makes us be who we are and it pushes us, pushes us to work with the shadow to be able to become who we are. And in reality, who we are. So this is very, very crucial. This is very important in all these books and all these uh, characters that we're talking about today. But then when you think about it, you can apply these to whoever, whatever character you are at the moment following uh, either on TV or in the books that you're reading at the moment. So, for example, um, this reminds me of, um, or, or a very good example of what I'm trying to say with this phrase. Uh, is if you think for those who've, who've seen uh, Supernatural um, that there are moments where the two brothers they get abducted or they get a demon inside or they get transformed somehow so the character that we know becomes a, a different character which is very interesting because at the moment for example when Sam uh, loses his soul, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the series yet, when Sam loses his soul he doesn't have those feelings, he loses that human side of him where he stops caring, he's still a fighter, he's still, um, he's still a hunter but he loses the human side up to such a, an extreme to a point that when his brother gets bitten by a vampire he doesn't protect him he kind of likes and he's kind of expecting to see what's going to happen from that and obviously there's something saying i should behave differently because that's what they've told me but he doesn't have the regulator that we normally have because his soul is in a cage and is being repressed uh, so at this moment what what we get is that the real or the darkest part this shadow has been freed. There's no other filter. We need both. We need uh, we need uh, the control and we need the shadow um, to be balanced. But what happens is that we can then explore how what it looks like. This dark side of Sam. What does it really look like when he loses his soul? The same happens with Dean. When Dean gets the cane uh, mark on his arm, he actually becomes a very powerful evil entity he's careless he's brutal so his characteristics as a hunter increase and they get enhanced so that's how the shadow works when doesn't have the filter of the control of what is good and what is evil and even though he or this new side will know at some point the repressed uh, self the caring side is is the other way around now. So we we're repressing too much now. The good the good side and the social rules. Then 
what we see there is that this repressed side is also trying to get out. The same as when we're trying to repress all the dark things or all the things that all the people say from us that are dark and we're trying to repress them and then what we get is a lot of psychological problems. So it's important to embrace this dark side not to the point of doing what the dark side wants us to do but as in recognizing it to work on it. This dark side can be fierce, it can be something that is not accepted by society, but we have to recognize it. So literature helps us face these daily problems that we encounter when we are at work, when we are with our families, when we're having a discussion, when we have different points of view. So it's very important to identify those so then we can work towards a better communication as well with with the other side of or with the other person which is very very important so also what we have is with identity it's not just i'm talking all the time about the internal things but what happens with the external side of things well it's very obvious when we're talking about the ugly ugly duckling we have a a poor dog poor animal that is living with the wrong family and then this family, the only thing that they do is mock him because he's very ugly, define ugly. So this idea of beauty that we could crit criticize and talk about forever in society, the idea of beauty can make you an outcast, it can make you the other, it can make you different. How poor Duklin, how, how in despair, how sad he is most of the story because he's not accepted by his siblings and they all laugh at him. What happens in the end? In the end, they realize, oh, look, he's not from our family. He's actually a swan. So then he's a beautiful swan and all of the siblings are like, oh, my God, now we have to kind of venerate you. Well, this is completely wrong because the moral here, I know that for the child is it doesn't matter what you look like from the outside, that one day you'll be a beautiful swan. Well, you have to make sure that your personality compensates for your outside because society doesn't always accept that we are all different and then maybe for well for one person is ugly for another one is beautiful so this is a very hard story for kids so a little insight a little you know a little bra bracket right now if you want there's a lot of gothic in folklore and this is something i will tell you all about and there are books for this and and is you know folklore and storytelling for kids are it's just very very dark and very scary and I'm not going to tell you about my my relationship with Bambi. Um, so that was the traumatizing moment of my childhood. The worst part ever. So what we have here is a message, okay, that we shouldn't be judging by the appearances. But also, can you imagine this duckling, this swan, what's happened to him or to her? I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. What's happened to it? during all this childhood if this is a human being it, it will be a traumatized child and it will be a traumatized adult with a lot of issues so it doesn't matter it's going to turn all this beautiful being that society says is a beautiful being because by then this person this being will have already created a lot of traumas that will need to solve so you know, folklore sometimes, or fairy tales in this case, don't always give us the solutions to these problems. They say, okay, don't worry, don't worry if you have 
problems you are different because one day you'll shine okay have comfort there but this is something to talk about another day but you can see how identity will be defined there if we knew then more about the story of this duckling of this swan when he grows up then we can then say yeah this is something he or she learned about and then he or she was happy we never know if he or she is happy in the end so what we have then is that the people around us basically we take that to the human species that um, people around us can define our identity they can tell us you are beautiful or you are ugly because of their perception and then when we look at ourselves and the canons of beauty we'll, we'll start deciding that I need an operation here or I could do with this or I could do with that or whatever all these things that we do to ourselves nowadays to look beautiful define beautiful so our identities are constantly at stake physically and emotionally what I'm going to tell you here about is really accept yourself as you are and work on your true self your your mind yes because your mind is going to make you happier or otherwise and cultivate this uh, these um, knowledge this need for knowledge so if we go now to Dr. Uh, Victor Frankenstein and its creature, we have here something very interesting because on the one hand, Victor Frankenstein is a very young, moldable person when he starts having these ideas or these needs and these questions regarding nature, regarding how nature works and how life is created. Then we have that his mother dies and then he's there in a society, in a Victorian society. The dad is very strict and he disappears from his life. So he's a child, a teenager, imagine, a teenager with a lot of, um, not very social apart from his, from his group of family and close friends. Outside that, when he goes to university, he doesn't have many friends and he says that he doesn't find himself comfortable. We have some identity issues already. And then he goes and he creates a monster or a creature that will also have its own baggage because Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein just creates this creature and when he realizes what he's done, he goes, oh my God, I don't want to know, like a big kid goes and hides. And then this creature also will have it's issues because it's lost, uh, it doesn't have identity. Who am I? I'm made of multiple pieces, but who am I really? Uh, where's my father? Where's my creator? Why is he going away from me if my creator cannot accept me? How is the world going to accept me? Can you see how much is at stake? And this could be the story of anybody, right? You can think of anybody, maybe yourself, you, you have a similar story. The mechanisms that we can find there, the tools we can find there are multiple, but it's definitely telling us about our identities and about where it hurts and where we need to be working on. So these, um, we can't forget either that Victor Frankenstein was also influenced. It's very important how we are influenced from outside by certain books. He was reading, um, he was reading Paracelsus, or para, yeah, Paracelsus, he was reading Albertus Magnus and Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa. So for those who don't know, um, Paracelsus was a, a Swiss physician, an alchemist, theologist and philosophist of the re, German Renaissance, uh, Renaissance, Renaissance, Renaissance. <laughs> I 
can say it. And Alberto Magnus it was also known as uh, Saint Albert or Albert the Great from Cologne, and he was a frere, a philosopher, and a bishop. Then Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa was a physician and um, a soldier, theologist, and a writer of the occultist. He was also a scholar. So, as we can see, the family aspects influence this identity, Victor's identity. His knowledge, where he got his knowledge, also influenced him. When he went to university and he saw the other side, like maths and science, more and more the science, that influenced him. And all that pushed him into creating what he did. Uh, in fact, um, what we can say here is that he saw, you know, what we have with the creature is a projection of himself. And in this multiplicity of beings and parts that the creature is made of, we can see also the multiple identities that Victor Frankenstein has been going through as a child, as a teenager, as a brother, as a learner, as, a, as an orphan, as a son. So all these aspects that this is actually what makes a person of all these elements make us up. We're all made up of multiple identities. And finally, we get what people see or what we think, you know, which is a different thing. What people see and what we feel we are or how we see ourselves is a completely different story. But basically, what, what we have is that the creature pays somehow Victor's frustrations. And this is what um, we can read from from this other book. Yes, we can read. Yeah, we've been talking about Frankenstein. Uh, but what we can see from this book um, the Mad Woman in the Attic, written by Sandra Gilbert and Susan Kuba, they tell us about um, that both Gothic and anti-Gothic writers represent themselves as split, like Emily Dickinson between the elected nun and the damned witch, or like Mary Shelley between the novels and Soviet scientist and his enraged childish monster, which is what I was just talking about now. So... You know, as um, as you can see, identity is very a very strong factor in the Gothic. And as you can see, you've probably been thinking about yourself when you were listening to my explanations, and maybe you were even thinking about people that you know. So it's very important that we actually recognize these elements and we learn from them, because that's how we can actually keep learning more and more about our own identity. And since we love learning about ourselves because we are very narcissistic in nature. We find strategies to keep constantly learning and removing those areas that we don't like, becoming a better being. So we, at the end, we just want to be happy. And sometimes happiness is in more knowledge. Sometimes happiness is by creating this awareness of who we are and how we can improve those areas and those aspects that we don't like. And this is universal we all have this necessity and some people um, find some strategies and other people find different strategies what is for sure is that the strategy that we have here is my friends learning more about the gothic but to you for you to do that and for you to support the project i invite you to go to my coffee page where you're going to find uh, three types of membership 
or where you can just donate every time you see a video or you see some content that you like. I would really appreciate it, but you can also, also you can download my free uh, introduction to Gothic literature if you seem not familiarized with this and you would like to know more and you would like to know how am I getting from Gothic literature to actually the Gothic mode and, and, and for you to learn more about um, yourself, which is what we're doing here, talking more about identity and how to identify the Gothic elements in books, in your writings and in everything in our lives. So I hope that you have enjoyed this video. I hope that you now are thinking about it. Let me know if you have read these books. Let me know if you have ever thought about it and I'll see you next time. So until then, be very gothic my friends and keep working on your identity because it's a full journey. So see you very soon. Bye.